0: Welcome to Awaken Life Church Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willette. So let's pray this morning and uh, we'll get started. I have uh, something uh, that I want to share with you this morning that I'm really excited about. So Father God, I thank you so much that you are here, God. God, I thank you that it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom We just thank you, God, that you're bringing the kingdom this morning, your righteousness, peace, and joy. And Father God, we just rebuke everything away that would war against what you want to do this morning, that righteousness, peace, and joy. I believe that you want to deposit something into each person here, so we just bind away every distraction. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you are coming so powerfully this morning and depositing something into our hearts. We don't want to leave this place the same we know that your word is powerful and it can change our life. And so we just invite you to come and change us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're back in the Prosperous Soul series. We did. We kind of went off for a week and uh, we're back. We're back. We're back in the Prosperous Soul series. I've just had um, a great time just um, sharing these messages with you. This is actually week seven of the Prosperous Soul. And I've had just a lot of great feedback of just people that have said this has really blessed them and ministered to them. And there's been a lot of points throughout these messages where the Lord's just really uh, ministered and, and changed hearts. And, and so that's obviously um, what, we, what we're going after is like encountering God, encountering his truth, and it's going to come in and change our life. So our key verse is 3 John verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 2, and it says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So a big key in that verse is that first word, beloved, knowing that we are the beloved, knowing that we are dearly loved by the Father, knowing that we are the bride of Christ knowing that he wants to give us good things. I love what Angela was praying this morning. Actually, you were speaking my message. You didn't even know it. But it starts with knowing how loved we are. And this is what's amazing about God's love is we'll spend eternity uncovering it. We'll spend eternity uncovering just how powerful his love is for us. We've, we're just scratching the surface, surface of what his love looks like for us. But God wants us to know we are loved and he is wanting us to be blessed and to prosper in all respects. So there's not one area in your life that God doesn't want you to prosper in. There's not one area in your life that God doesn't want you to prosper in. He wants your marriage to prosper. He wants your finances to prosper. He wants your health to prosper. He wants every area, your friendships, your relationships, your work, your job, your business. He wants you to be prosperous in all areas. And then at the very end of that verse, it says he wants you to prosper just as your soul prospers. Now, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So as your soul is prospering, you're prospering in your thinking, you're prospering with your will, you're prospering in your emotions, you will prosper in all things. So we're going to talk a little bit about prospering in the soul this morning. And we're going to talk specifically about prospering in your emotions. Prospering in your emotions. So we've talked about the mind in in this series, and we've talked about rest and entering into his rest. And we've talked about peace, walking in peace as part of the prosperous soul. But today I want to talk about the emotions. And this is one I've been saving because this is one that's um, a little more complex to talk about. But I feel like God's given me something uh, that makes it really easy to, to kind of talk about it and, and enter into what he's trying to say to us today. So it's important to know what's, what's going on in our soul. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's important to, to monitor, like, what's going on in my mind? What am I thinking about? What are, what are my emotions telling me? It's important to know what's going on with our emotions, For instance, um, it's important to know what's happening in your thoughts because the body believes what the mind tells it. Did you know that? The body believes what the mind tells it. In Proverbs 23, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So do you know that your body and your emotions don't know the difference between imagined scenarios and real scenarios? your emotions don't know the difference. So if I if I sit in my house and I imagine my house catching on fire and I imagine like, what what would I do if my house catch on fire? I'd start to think like, how would I get my kids to safety? And I'm starting to imagine this scenario. I'll start to feel the stress and the anxiety of, of just imagining that scenario. And you know, my body doesn't know the difference. If this is like actually happening or if I'm just imagining it, It's just it's just feeling that stress, feeling that anxiety. Your body doesn't know the difference. So you know, on the contrary, if you visualize good things, if you visualize like success, like you will feel that peace come and your body doesn't know if it's, this is a real or not. It's just responding to what your thoughts are telling it to do. So when you when we're thinking and when we're imagining all these bad scenarios or things going wrong, it's causing stress on the body and the body doesn't know like this is real or just a thought. But also we can imagine those scenario is going well for us. Like something I often do before I have a important meeting or something is I'll actually imagine this meeting going well. i actually just sit down and just imagine like being confident and being able to speak the things I want to say and being able to, to articulate well. And I'll imagine like the best possible outcome and I'll feel the peace of that. And God wants us to be led in peace. Amen. He wants us to be led in peace, not in stress. So your body doesn't know the difference. Your emotions doesn't know the difference between imagined scenarios and real scenarios. That's how powerful your mind is. So today we're going to touch on emotions. So the first thing I want to say about emotions, emotions aren't bad. Emotions aren't bad. How many have heard this? Don't be led by your emotions. Anybody heard that? I do not agree with that statement at all. Now, if someone said, don't be led by your negative emotions, wholeheartedly agree. Don't be led by fear. Yes, I agree. Don't be led by stress and anxiety. I agree with that. But sometimes we hear that sweeping statement, don't be led by your emotions. But do you know that hope is an emotion? Hope is an emotion. Romans 5.5, 5, Paul says this to us. He says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What is Paul saying? He's saying hope does not disappoint. Dare to hope. Dare to hope. Dare to be led by hope. Dare to be influenced by hope because hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Paul is telling us to be led in hope. Hope is an emotion. Compassion is an emotion. A leper came to Jesus in Mark chapter 1 and he says, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus' response, it's Mark chapter 1, verse 41. It says, moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, said, I am willing, to be cleansed. Jesus himself was led in compassion. Compassion's an emotion. So I just don't like the overall, like if we have this thought in our mind, like don't be led by our emotions, it's like the connotation is emotions are bad. So then when we experience good emotions, we're like, oh, don't get too carried away in joy. Don't get too carried away in compassion. i got got to temper my emotions because emotions are bad. So, yes, don't be led by negative emotions. And I think a lot of people that say that, that's what they're trying to say is don't be led by negative emotions. And, yes, I agree with that. But wholeheartedly, we should be led by joy. It's part of the kingdom. We should be led in peace. We should be led in compassion. So I'm going to start, I want to talk, again, we're talking about emotions today. And I just want to list some, some emotions, negative and positive. Because sometimes I think the biggest challenge is just identifying like what we're feeling. And I, I know for me, that was a huge challenge when I started just like trying to be in tune with what I was feeling. Just like and this process for me really started in December of last year. So I know, especially probably for men, this can be harder, like, to identify, like, what is, what is this? Like, because sometimes we can just feel like I don't feel good, something doesn't feel right, and we'll, we'll medicate it. You know, that's kind of, like, where we'll go sometimes with it. Like, okay, I'm just going to make myself busy so I don't have to think about this. Or I'll just watch TV or zone out so I don't have to think about this. But actually, when we're feeling a negative emotion, the first thing that we need to do is actually just identify what the emotion is. So we're going to touch more on that in a minute. But I'm just going to tell you, so here's some common negative emotions. Fear, anxiety, stress, sadness, anger, discouragement. So those are some common negative emotions. Here's some positive emotions. Joy, hope, gratitude, compassion, confidence, love. So our negative emotions, when we experience those negative emotions, they're just indicators. They're just indicators. And they're indicators that we might be believing a lie. We might be believing a lie about God. We might be believing a lie about ourselves. Or we might be believing a lie about others or our situation. So again, often when we experience negative emotions, we medicate, and we can meditate with or medicate with busyness, TV, hobbies, and you know some of the more like self-destructive ones would be like alcohol and drugs. But instead of ignoring our emotions and, and running to medicate, and this is something I know I, I did a lot, because I was like, I feel bad, and I don't want to feel bad, so I need to find some way to numb this feeling or to forget about it. So it's something we often do. But Instead of ignoring our emotions, we need to check in with God and actually just identify what emotion we're feeling. Negative emotions are like a check engine light on your car. So I feel like God gave me this funny picture. So the check engine light comes up on your car, and you're like, oh, I don't want to think about that. And you just take this little sticker, it's like a happy face, and you put it over that, like, (laughs) everything's good. I don't see it now. Out of sight, out of mind. No check engine light here. And what happens when you ignore your check engine light? Well, you have a problem. It's telling you you have a problem, right? So if you ignore it, tend to have another problem that comes up because of the first problem never got fixed. And then you have, if you ignore that, then you have all of a sudden you have four or five problems. All of a sudden now your car won't run anymore. And so when, when we feel those negative emotions, it's like the check engine light says, something's not right, you need to check in with God. So you feel that anxiety come. Something's not right. You need to check in with God. So our emotions are actually a gift from God. Even our negative emotions, because they're indicators and they can ultimately help us uncover lies that we're believing, we can use those negative emotions to our advantage. Because we can just say, okay, first of all, it's great to know that you are not your emotion. So when you're experiencing emotion, you can disidentify dis- like, okay, I'm not fear. I'm just experiencing fear. I'm not an anxious wreck. I'm just experiencing this. This is just an indicator that I need to use to go and check in with the Lord. So we need to start using our negative emotions to our advantage to actually say, this is something that God's just given me actually that I can use to my advantage. I can go check in with him and work this out with him. And we're going to talk specifically about what that looks like today. So it's going to seem like I'm switching gears here, um, but I promise it's all going to come together in the end, okay? So I want to talk to you about life experiences. So go ahead and put up that first slide. Life experiences. So what has been your life experience? Because your life experience is going to shape your beliefs. Can Put up the second one. So whatever you've experienced in life, whatever you've been through, Especially in childhood because it's the time when you're developing, you're, you're discovering the world, your brain's developing, you're figuring things out, how things work. And your life experiences are going to ultimately form your beliefs, your worldview, like what you believe to be true about God, about others, about yourself. So what did your experiences teach you? What did your childhood teach you? What did your childhood teach you about marriage? Is marriage this beautiful, wonderful institution that God ordained? Or is marriage painful? Is marriage chaotic? It's always tense, it's always scary. What did your experience, your childhood experience, teach you about fathers and fatherhood? Are fathers wonderful encouragers who have your back and they're unconditionally loving? Or are fathers abusers? absent, not present, or or selfish. What did your experience teach you about mothers? Are they kind nurturers, loving, supportive, or are they manipulative? Are they emotionally detached, critical, disapproving? And what did your experience teach you about God? Is God a loving father, full of grace, full of mercy, or is he distant? Is he angry? Is he disapproving? It's like he can never do enough to appease him. Is he judgmental? One of the reasons I I believe that God chose Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery is because he didn't grow up a slave. He didn't grow up a slave. He grew up as royalty. And a slave can't set a slave free. Only a son can set a slave free. So God didn't choose one of the Israelites, one of the 400,000 Israelites. He could have picked any one of them, but he didn't choose one of them that grew up in slavery. He chose Moses, who grew up in the palace, because he was raised to believe that he was significant. He was raised to believe and he understood that he was valuable. He was raised to believe that he was important. He was raised to believe that he was meant and destined for greatness, for great things. The Israelites had a slave mentality. Moses had a son mentality. Moses had a son mentality, and it takes a son to set free a slave. So, and I I hope, I really do, I hope you had an upbringing like this where you knew you were significant, you knew you were valuable, you knew you were meant for greatness, and and that you knew that you were a champion and that you had uh, something great to accomplish in life. I hope you had an upbringing like this, but I know for many of us that wasn't the case. Some of us grew up with abuse, whether it be physical, sexual, verbal, spiritual, or neglect. And a child who is abused can form a belief that they are less valuable. They're less valuable. They're less worthy than others. And it's kind of imprinted on their soul. And it's because of what their experience was. Their experience formed a belief in them. So your experiences. Shape your beliefs. If your experience was you had a cruel father, you could have a belief that God is cruel. If your experience was that you had an absent father, your experience could, or your belief could be the father isn't interested in me. If your experience was you had abusive parents, you could have the belief, I'm not valuable. Women who have seen men use their masculinity to hurt them or others... Their belief could be masculinity is evil. And by the way, there's an attack of, on masculinity in our culture. It's like there's an attack on femininity, too. That one's a little more subtle. But there's an attack on masculinity and femininity, and let's just all be the same. Like, let's just make, there's no difference. We're just all the same. Let's make men more feminine, and let's make women more masculine. Or we'll just meet, we're just all the same. But if you were here last week, you know that when God created Eve for Adam, He actually created Adam's opposite. We actually need that opposite. I know for for as a man, I crave that masculinity in my or that femininity in my wife. Man, that'd be bad. I crave, <laughs> I crave that femininity in my wife, and I know she craves that masculinity. I don't want to be the same. We're not the same. I I need her femininity. She needs my masculinity. And there's an attack against masculinity in our culture. And and a lot of times it's because exactly that. It's like people have seen masculinity hurt. It's it's hurt them in their life. And they draw this belief and this conclusion that, okay, masculinity is evil. Maybe your parents were really busy. Maybe the message got sent to you that your parents didn't have time for you. That's a message they maybe unintentionally said, like, I don't have time for you. And this belief formed in you that God doesn't have time for me. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've heard people say like, oh man, God's got bigger fish to fry than my little problems. Like God, no, don't even pray for that. It's no big deal. Like God's got bigger things to worry about than my problems. It's very contrary to the word of God. And I understand it because I've been there. But the word of God says that God actually knows the number of hairs on your head. Do you think he cares about the small details in your life? I shared a story you know, a few weeks ago about when Joy and I first started coming to church early in our marriage. Some pastor prayed over us like that we would have parking spot favor. And we kind of laughed. He's like, God, give them even just, he was just praying for us and all these things. And he, he just, parking spot favor in Jesus' name, he prayed over us. And I, I can tell you, I promise you, five or six months, everywhere we went, we would get front row. Every single place we went. It was like, I remember a couple times pulling in and and all the front row would be filled and be like, oh, I guess the streak's over. And just as I said that, someone pulls out and it's like best spot in the the whole place. Just like, and we we would just laugh about it. It was like months or like everywhere we went. And I even remember telling somebody about it and they were like, oh, God doesn't care about that. And I was like, I beg to differ. (laughs) Everywhere I go, it's happening. So God cares about the small things. But if our experience was that we didn't feel significant, we didn't feel like our parents had time for us, we may carry this belief that God doesn't care about the small things in our life or he doesn't have time for us, he's too busy for us because our experience is gonna shape our beliefs. So here's the good news. God can heal us from those past experiences. And he can replace those lies that we have adopted and give us new experiences and new beliefs. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So it says we are destroying speculations. This is what speculations mean. Every reasoning, every judgment, every conclusion, every imagination, every thought that was based on our earthly experience. God wants to come in and destroy speculations and every thought, every experience that has raised itself up against the knowledge of God. Everything that we've experienced, he wants to come in and destroy those things, tear down those strongholds, those things that we have learned and gained from experience. He wants to tear those things down and show us the truth and bring us out of captivity and into the truth. Amen? I remember when Joey and I started attending church, um, I remember this became more and more in my mind as, as time went on. But I remember feeling really comfortable with Jesus. Like, Jesus is awesome. He's the Savior. He loves me. And I was like tight with Jesus, right? But I was af- like, truth be known, and I discovered this, I was afraid of the Father. I was afraid of the Father. I didn't feel that closeness with the Father like I did with Jesus. I felt the closeness with Jesus, but I was afraid of the Father. And it was only a few years ago, like five years ago, I went through a particularly, It's a par- hard word to say, particularly hard time. And in this hard time, it was especially touching on that these father issues that I would had, and and my uh, issues of not being able to connect with Father God. And so through this, God actually gave me this encounter with Him that was so amazing. And in this encounter, I, you know, after the encounter, I wrote it all out, and you know, I often go back to it and review it. And after I reviewed it again and again and again, I realized that what God was doing in this encounter that he was destroying every stronghold that I had set up that was lies about him. And one after another, when I look at the encounter, it's like, oh, yeah, he was destroying that lie that was placed in me in childhood. Oh, yeah, and this is where he was destroying this lie. He was just coming in and tearing down every stronghold that had been formed from negative experience and bringing truth. So God will do that. He will bring the truth into your life. As a result, after that experience, for the first time in my life, I felt like a son. And it was like God had flipped a switch. It was like one day I was scared of the Father. The next day, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm so loved by the Father. I'm a son. Like, he loves me. I'm his son. He's trying to protect me. He's trying to bless me. It was like a switch just got flipped in me after this experience. Because all those negative experiences and lies were being taken down by the Father. All my strongholds against the Father that day came crashing down. So your experiences shape your beliefs. And your beliefs shape your thoughts. You can just go ahead and just leave it up there. Unless there's a scripture book. So your experiences are going to shape your beliefs. And what you believe, what your paradigm is, what your worldview is, it will come down into your thoughts. And your thoughts shape your emotions. I told you it all come back around. Experiences shape your beliefs. Beliefs shape your thoughts. And your thoughts shape your emotions. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So when you experience negative emotions, you can trace it all the way back up the line. You can trace it all the way back up the line and you can find out where it is. If you experience the emotion of anxiety, you can ask yourself, okay, why am I anxious? Okay, so instead of, this is the first step of dealing with your emotions. Instead of running from your emotions, medicating them, hiding from them, getting busy, actually just identifying, okay, what is this? What is this? Okay, I'm feeling anxiety. Then you can ask the Holy Spirit or ask yourself, why am I anxious? And you realize your thought is, I'm just giving you an example, you realize your thought is, God's not coming through for me. So you feel an emotion of anxiety and you trace it up to the thought of, God's not coming through for me in my situation. Then you trace that up to a belief that God's not there for me when I need him. And you trace that up to your experience of, you know, people have never been there when I needed them. Mom and dad weren't there when I needed them, And you can see that go all the way up to the top. So I want to give you a process of dealing with negative emotions and taking your emotion to the Holy Spirit, taking your emotion to God, not running anymore, but facing those emotions and actually processing this with Holy Spirit. And when I started doing this, I've been doing this for several months, and when I started doing this, I was like, oh my goodness, this really works. (laughs) Because I would often experience stress and anxiety. And when I stopped running from those emotions, or for me, I would just get busy. Like, well, I'm just gonna do more. I'm gonna get busy. And for me, when I stopped doing that and I started facing my emotion and started doing this process that I'm going to talk to you about today, I was like, I'd have weeks where I'm like, wow, I'm just, I'm just at peace. And even when the things would come, I was like, able to deal with them very quickly and turn the emotion very quickly. So I want to give you this process of dealing with negative emotions. So you can become good at this process. Uh, it may take several minutes at first, but through practice, you can do this in seconds. I can do this now just like in, in a car of screaming kids, I can... You know, not close my eyes if I'm driving, hopefully. But I can do this very quickly now. So, number one, this is a process of dealing with negative emotions. Number one, get alone. Get alone. When a negative emotion comes, get alone so that you can process it with the Holy Spirit. Remember, the emotion's just the check engine light. Something's wrong. I need to check in with the Holy Spirit. So I want to get alone for a minute so I can check in with the Holy Spirit. Number two, identify the emotion. This is important. This was especially important for me because I had no clue what emotions I was feeling. I just knew I was feeling bad. So I just start now. I've become a lot better at just identifying what emotion I'm feeling when it comes. Also, you may think this. You may be like I. Pfft, I already identified the emotion. I am angry. I'm mad, <laughs> right? You like may think like I got that part. I don't need to check in. Just check in still with the Holy Spirit because often I, I if I'm like angry, check in with the Holy Spirit and He's like, Yeah, you're angry, but you're also sad. And so I'm gonna actually process both of those things with Holy Spirit. I'm gonna process the anger and I'm gonna process the sadness. And I do them separately. So number one, get alone. Number two, identify the emotion. And this is as easy as this. Holy Spirit, what am I feeling right now? That's how easy it is. Holy Spirit, what am I feeling right now? And he'll tell you. You're feeling anxiety. You're feeling stress. You're feeling fear. You're feeling whatever it is, anger. So identify the emotion. Number three, identify the thought or belief Tied to the emotion. Because again, if we look at that chart, our emotions are coming from a thought, they're coming from a belief. We can just trace it right back up the the chain. So you want to identify the thought or belief tied to the emotion. This is how easy it is. Ask the Holy Spirit, what am I thinking or believing wrong right now? What am I believing wrong? And it's probably based on an experience or a, a worldview or belief that has turned into a thought. What, what am I thinking or believing wrong right now? And then number four, ask the Holy Spirit for the truth. Holy Spirit, what's the truth? So there's one more thing, but I just want to, I'm going to run through these just with like a typical example. So like, Get along, Holy Spirit. I'm going to look at that last example and use that one. Okay, so you get alone. Holy Spirit, what am I feeling right now? You're feeling anxiety. Okay, I'm feeling anxiety. Okay, Holy Spirit, what am I thinking or believing wrong right now? You're believing that God's not there when you need him. God's not, he's not, he's not coming through. You're believing he's not, he's just not coming through and it's causing this anxiety. You're like, this is not going to get solved because God is not coming through. So you're like, okay, now it's good to identify it as a lie. Like, okay, I'm believing the lie that God's not coming through for me right now. So then I'm going to trace that. I say, Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Then he's going to start speaking to me. I have never left you. I love all the things that Angela shared today. I've never left you once. My word says I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm right here with you. I am working on your behalf. I am coming through in this situation. I am taking you from glory to glory to glory. You are my son. I've got you. It's going to be okay. He starts just speaking to you. So then number five is go to battle with the truth. You've identified the emotion. You have identified the lie that's attached to the emotion. And now you've heard the truth from the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to go to war with the truth. Okay, now I know the truth. God, you've never left me or forsaken me. That's your promise to me. God, you are working on my behalf. You are working this out. This is going to end well for me. I stand on your word, Romans 8, 28. You're working all things together for my good. So now I'm going to go to battle with the truth. Our offensive weapon, when we talk about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, it's the sword of the spirit, which Ephesians 6 says says is the word of God. Word of God. And that word is actually rhema. It's not logos. It's not the actual text. It's the... Right now, Holy Spirit spoken word to you. So that's what you're doing in this process. You're connecting to Holy Spirit, and he's giving you rhema. It's your offensive weapon. He's giving you the rhema word that you're going to use to go to battle against this anxiety, against this lie that you've believed. And I can't tell you, when I've engaged in this process, I can't tell you how many times just I like, feel that anxiety just melt. Sometimes it's minutes, sometimes it's seconds. Just like, wow. Just, I'm rejecting that lie and I'm using that Rama word to go to battle, and I feel my peace return. I feel that fear dissipate. I feel my peace come back. I feel my excitement come back. So, number one, get alone. Number two, identify the emotion. Number three, identify the thought or belief that's tied to the emotion. Number four, ask the Holy Spirit for the truth. And then number five, go to battle with the truth. Your offensive weapon is that spoken word from the Holy Spirit, the Rhema word of God. So go to battle with the truth of what the Holy Spirit's saying. Pray out your truth, speak out your truth. Your words are powerful. Remember, your body is going to believe what you tell it. I'm going to tell myself, even if I'm still feeling anxiety, I am not going to worry about this. God, you're taking care of this. God, you are with me in this hard situation. God, I'm not forgotten. I'm going to say these things out loud because I know that my body is going to hear me. My body is going to believe and it's going to go after the instruction I give it. You can direct your emotions by the words you say and by what you believe. I told you a few weeks ago about my confession Um, over my time. I was just a few months ago or probably a couple months ago. New things were coming my way and I had this confession. I was like, oh, I don't have time for that. Like, I don't have time. And so when I checked in with the Holy Spirit, I was feeling a lot of anxiety because of this confession and this belief. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. So I finally checked in with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, what, what's going on in me, Holy Spirit? Like, what is this emotion I'm feeling? He's like, oh, you're, you're anxious right now. Okay, Holy Spirit, why am I anxious? You're anxious because you're constantly confessing and you believe you don't have time to get your stuff done. Oh, Okay. That's actually a lie. I didn't know that. I was like, "Wow, that's a lie that I'm actually confessing over and over in my life that I don't have time." It's actually contrary to God's word. God's word says, I'll, "I will." Uh, Philippians four nineteen My God will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. So, Holy Spirit, what's the truth? And that's the verse He gave me. I'm going to supply all your needs according to my riches and in glory, including your need for time. So I'm like identifying the truth. And I'm like, okay, I'm adopting a new confession. I'm going to go to battle with the truth. I have all the time that I need to accomplish everything that God's called me to accomplish. And I started to go to battle with that truth. And now I say that over myself like several times a day. I have all the time I need to accomplish everything that God's called me to do. Here's the neat thing. It's only been a couple months, but now that I have a new belief about my time. could you put that? Oh, thank you. It's back up. So now that I have a new belief about my time, my experience is changing. I find myself with more than enough time now. I'm like, oh, I have extra time. Just because I changed my belief. I was confessing over myself. Your body is going to believe what you confess. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. What was my experience? I don't have time. So now I'm confessing. I have all the time I need to accomplish everything that God's called me to accomplish. Now my experience is changing. Oh, I have time. (laughs) This is pretty neat stuff. So I just want to give you a few sidebars to that process. I really believe that's an awesome just, um, you know, and make it your own. But that's an awesome just... uh, guideline of how to engage the Holy Spirit with a negative emotion and take it to him. But I want to give you a few sidebars because life happens. Determine not to make any big decision while you're in the midst of a negative emotion. I want to just determine that like, okay, I am not going to make a decision when I'm in the middle of fear. I'm not going to make a decision while I'm in the middle of anxiety because I don't want to be led by my negative emotions. Here's another sidebar. This is a good one. If you're not able to change the emotion by doing this process, process it with someone in your community. Process it with someone in your community that God has shown you you can trust. I'll tell you, for me, it works like... 85% 85% of the time. 85% of the time, it works every time? No, for, for me, it works, it works like 85% of the time. But when it doesn't work, I'm going to process it with somebody. And I may still process, process it with somebody. But I'm going to call somebody and say, hey, th- this, is what, this is what I'm experiencing. This is the emotion. And my friends, the people that God's shown me as safe, they're usually walking me through that process.
1: They're usually like,
0: okay, well... What, what's going on? Like, like, what are you believing about this? And they're actually kind of helping me walk through this process. So engage someone in your community that you can trust. This is a good one. If your negative emotion is due to a conflict with a person, resist the urge to hash it out with them before your peace is returned. It's the worst time to hash things out is when you're in the middle of fear, anxiety. And, like, it's a time when we really want to, right? We're angry, like, I, phew, I'm going to give them a the piece of my mind. Resist the urge to hash it out with them while you're in the middle of that negative emotion. Man, I wish there's so many conversations I wish I could have back. Where I was feeling the heightened emotions and I just let it fly. Resist the urge. Come back into peace. I'm not saying don't deal with the problem, come back into peace, and then deal with the problem in peace. Fear brings out the worst in people. You ever seen a cornered animal? Got the teeth and the slobber and the worst look you've ever they could possibly make and the hair standing up and it just looks terrifying, right? So when people are afraid, when they're experiencing fear, when we're experiencing fear, we're like that cornered animal. We're like, I will do anything I can to defend myself. I'm, I will cut you, I'll, cut you. <laughs> I'll scratch you. Fear brings out the worst in people. So we don't want to deal with people and with things while we're experiencing that fear. The spirit of fear wants us to think like orphans. And when we're feeling fear, we're usually thinking like orphans. We're feeling insignificant. We're feeling powerless. We're feeling alone. And often we react out of an orphan mindset instead of responding as a son. I don't want to react in fear. I want to come back to peace and I want to respond as a son. So if you can identify that some of your experiences, some of your beliefs, some of your thoughts are hindering your relationship with God or hindering your relationship with other people, God is inviting you to healing today. He's inviting you into healing. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live with anxiety. You don't have to live with fear. You don't have to medicate. You don't have to run from those things. You can check the... You can identify and heed the check engine light. That's what I was trying to say. Heed, headed, head. You can heed that check engine light and check in with the Lord. Amen? You don't have to live that way. You can actually utilize those negative emotions to your benefit, to check in with the Lord and to do this process with him. Holy Spirit loves this process, by the way. He's your best friend. He loves it when we engage him. Holy Spirit, I'm, something's wrong right now. What, what, what's going on? He wants to talk to you. He wants to conversate with you. You don't have to live that way, but you can learn to identify your negative emotions and invite the Holy Spirit in to reveal truth and renew your mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. What that means is don't be conformed to the way the world thinks Processes or acts. Don't do things, don't think about things, don't process things the way the world does, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So when you're processing this with the Lord, He is transforming you. He is transforming you and He'll actually transform those experiences and He'll give you new experiences so you have new truths that you can stand on. When you allow God into your world and allow him to lead you in this way, his good and perfect will will be proven in your life. He wants to prove his good and perfect will in your life. And when we engage him, we allow him to come into those areas, he actually transforms us, transforms us and gives us a new experience that we can build upon. Close your eyes this morning. I'm just going to pray over you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you want a relationship with us, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're our best friend, that you want to engage us and you want us to engage you, that you want to have these conversations with us. You want to help us process our emotions. You want to help us discover those lies that we believe that have kept us from the fullness of what God has for us. So we just believe that, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're a great friend. You want to do this with us. You want to process with us. You want to lead us into the truth. You want to convict us of righteousness and sonship. Thank you, Father God. I just pray for an anointing over this congregation. I pray for an anointing over each person to be able to engage you, God. We just wanna even just um, determine in our hearts that we're not gonna medicate our emotions. We're not gonna run from them, but that we are gonna bring them to you, Holy Spirit. And that you love this process. This is, we can make it a game and bring this to you every time. Holy Spirit, speak to us. So we just thank you, Father God, For your word, we thank you for your truth. And we just pray, God, that this would go deep down in our hearts. God, that you'd help us to become powerful people. Powerful people face the check engine light. Powerful people, don't put the sticker over it. So God, help us to become powerful people in our community so that we can not only be powerful, but we can help others. In Jesus' name, amen.